If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 232. This is our 2022 Shriners Children's Open and Open Dispania Tips Podcast. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss our selection for this week's PGA and DP World Tour action. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in depth betting previews. We've got Shriners Open Strokes Gained Analysis. We've got tournament form stats, form charts, including combined course and current form. Plus, of course, our PGA Tour and DP World Tour predictor models. All of these features like this podcast, are all completely free of charge with no paywall at Golf Betting System. Follow us on Twitter. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. Subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where the pod, where this podcast is available along with my weekly golf betting show. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. First time ever, chaps, we've got no reviews. There's none to read. Well, there we go. Which, blank. I, think, which I think proves that we don't put in fake reviews. No, Nobody <laughs> likes us anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, nobody likes us anymore. So, Challenge for next like, week. Five-star reviews. There's a challenge, guys and girls. Get your five-star reviews in. We are dry. One milestone, though. We have hit. We don't, we don't, we don't talk about anything to do with the podcast in terms of achievements or anything, do we? But we have hit half a million downloads as a podcast as of last week. So I think... Barry, you deserve a shake of the hand. Paul, you deserve a shake of the hand. And so do all the listeners. Because I've, I've said you cannot fake half a million downloads on a podcast. Mm. It proves the popularity of the show. Yep. Roll on the next half mil. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully a little quicker. But uh, yeah, it's, like, it's a big number to wrap your head around. Yeah, half a million is a big number, isn't it? Right, let's talk about last week. Last week, I mean, over 231 shows. We've had some ups and we've had some downs, but last week was amazing, I thought. I've never had a transatlantic second-place finish before where I had Alex Noren at St Andrews at 40-1, to who finished second. And then over on the PGO Tour, I had Seb Straka. Seb Sep Stracker. Not Seb. Sep Stracker. At 45 to 1. People the trouble is, I, I am quite a Sebastian Vettel fan in Formula 1, so me saying Seb, 
I just say it quite regularly. I don't very often say SEP. I think people have even sweeten you now with uh, Seb rather than Sep, Steve, just to uh, just to rub it in. No, that was that was horribly unlucky from your perspective because, well, you know, I, I wasn't on Norren, but you were, and um, by all rights, he really should have won that tournament, shouldn't he? Um, had the putter not been absolutely stone cold over the the last day or so, um, he should have been there. And to, to get a guy into the playoffs, you got to take your chances at. Uh, at the Sanderson Farms, but um, yeah, Stracker couldn't do the business there either. But I've got to say, the, the Stracker tip from you, given the you know visually looking at his um, credentials, yeah, the, the, the current form is good, but the course form is diabolical. And to take that and to ignore that and, to, and put him up on his merits and to get him that close was a uh, was a very good effort. Um, ultimately, disappoint him, but uh, yeah, you can take a horse to water, Steve. Um, hmm. got, to, got to let him do the rest I know it's early days I think he's now jumped into the world uh, one of the world spots in rankings for Team Europe for the Ryder Cup mm. so it, this, is, this is the whole point we were talking about Alex Noren we were talking about Alex Noren being a potential Ryder Cupper uh, needing to get into that top 60 in the race to Dubai to then get into the DP World Tour Championship big big points big cash end of the year, down in Dubai at the Earth Course. It's these kind of things. If you can just look at a, look at a field, look at, look at some, some areas there, there, there's some often just little reasons why players might be just a little bit more motivated or just have a bit more focus on a particular week to do something. It's not always the case. There's a lot of golf played, isn't there? But mm. especially milestones like Team Europe Ryder Cup early, you, know, you do get people. It focuses minds, undoubtedly. But if you if you think back just even a few weeks when we were talking about the build-up to the President's Cup and then we were kind of talking about the European team and there was yeah, we thought there was maybe seven, eight guys that we would very much expect to be there and the stalwarts that we would, you know, be surprising for them to miss. But those guys that we were saying who are looking to make that step up in the last few weeks you've seen McIntyre Migliozzi the Hoyguards Straka like all of these guys immediately are just like bang I'm yeah. laying down my claim yeah <laughs> it's it and then of course la- the, and then Barry tr- that's true and Then, but then we had the President's Cup and then last week we had Ryan Fox a New Zealander who missed out yeah. on the President's Cup he wins at St Andrews and lo and behold Mackenzie Hughes Canadian who's missed out on representing the international team at the President's Cup, he wins in the States. So you, mm. you get those two similar kind of players winning both sides of the Atlantic. The other thing with Ryan Fox, really fringy top 50, wasn't he, in the world? All of a sudden, he's now in the mid, mid-30s mid in world ranking and he's, he's, he's been, he'll be playing Augusta next April. Guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. There was a few things with Fox, wasn't there? I mean, he he eluded most punters. He eluded me because he'd had that recent injury where what did he walk into a barbecue or something, didn't he? And uh, uh, he came back to play um, in France, missed the cut. So that was uh, you know most punters would have been put off the scent there. But um, he used to play the Dunhill Links with Shane Warne, um, really good friends with Shane Warne, dedicated his victory to Shane. And, um, you know, these intangible factors that you can grab onto every now and again um, can, can really motivate someone. And, you know, for Ryan Fox, that was a massive motivation factor by the looks of it. 
Um, apart from the fact that he was playing well earlier in the season, you know, an injury and you know an inadvertent injury was, um, you know, laid him low a little bit for a few weeks, but came back with a bang last week. A bit wobbly at the end, but um, that is Ryan Fox for you. It doesn't tend to be a, doesn't tend to be straightforward, does it, to get him over the line? But no, you can't begrudge him now. I thought it was a a really good. Um, you know his his whole approach and um, you know his the testament to, uh, to to Shane Warne at the end was was really good to see and uh, pleased for him pleased for him to get over the line. Always there. been good by the coast. Well, I believe I put him yeah. up as a long shot for the Open this year. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah, I, I've I've backed him a few times this year on compatible courses, and that was undoubtedly a, a, a compatible course. It was this injury, and you know he did nothing when he came back in France, and it would have taken a fair leap of faith to have um, to have seen him going and win a title as big as the uh, as big as the Dunhill Links. Um, Till Hatton came seventh for me, um, four behind in the end. And uh, I, I, you know what? I put it all down to Tim Barter in the end. You know, we've talked about this before, but I was watching the watching the um, coverage on Friday, and uh, it's tough, tough day as you know. They were going around uh, Kings Barnes, and that's tough in the wind. And he's sitting there on level par. He's doing okay. He'd shot four under the day before at uh, Carnoustie's in a really good spot. And then you see the TV cut. So oh, Tim's got uh, Tyrrell Hatton here, and you think, oh my god, here we go. So from that point onwards, he shot double on that hole that he'd had the interview with Tim on. Um, another couple over, four over for the day, ended up losing by four shots. I mean, you just got to say no to these interviews, haven't you? Tim Barter comes along, just hide, disappear. Do <laughs> you think it's the jinx? Like <laughs> the black oh, death arising. Oh, don't. I, the amount of times you see it happen. I mean, does it just take the concentration away? And he was talking to Tyrrell about how bad the conditions were and how much he was should you know much rather prefer to be in the clubhouse. And perhaps that got into his yeah. mind. He thought, you know, yeah, this, this is horrible. I, I don't fancy being out here. And there you go, four over over the next four holes and uh, sayonara to the tournament. I think that's a really good point because if somebody you know if an interview introduces an idea or just a thought or the seed of a thought in your mind that wasn't there in your mental space yeah all of a sudden it could just switch up everything and hey lo and behold it did there frustrating yeah so tim barter is on the x list now put him yeah, on the yeah. post-it note steve on the post-it note <laughs> we need to we need to find out where tim's house is in surrey he's bound to live in surrey so um we, we need to go around and pay him a visit i think paul <laughs> just ask him or, did, to or just email him your tips and he's not allowed yeah. to interview them yeah just just don't interview these boys please leave them alone most of the people you tip, I don't think he's going to be interviewing, was it Van Von Dellinghausen and all these kind of people? <laughs> I don't think that's going to really cut the mustard on Sky Sports. Uh, do, do, do you think he recognises them as the walk <laughs> Yeah, it helps if you actually recognise the people you're interviewing. Yeah. Right, let's talk this week. We've got a busy show, actually, um, and we've prevaricated for far too long. Right, Shriners Open. Shriners Children's Open to give it its full title. I think it's always been one of the the, the most um, historical full series events on the PJ Tour. We've got loads and loads of history. It's been held here at uh, TPC Summerlin for over 20 years. A lot of history to it. And some very good winners over the years. Some very, very good winners. Jim Furyk's won here. I mean, Jim Furyk used to absolutely love it here. And that tells you a lot about what we're actually looking for. Tiger Woods won his first tour of victory. Ryan Moore, Kevin Nahr, Webb Simpson. 
It's not exactly a it's not exactly a bomber's row here, is it? Furick, Moore, Nah, Simpson, Patrick Cantlay, Bryson DeChambeau. And I, that that win for Bryson was actually before he went mega Bryson. It was when he actually used to hit it pretty long and pretty straight rather than just absolutely getting it out there. Sung Jae-im, another plotter. And that's the thing with Summerling. I think it's a real plotter's golf course. I really do. It's a 7,255-yard par 71, but it's at altitude. We're in Las Vegas, Nevada. So it's very, very short golf course. All three of the par fives are very reachable to the whole field. The greens, and we we were talking about this off mic, listeners. The greens are dominator bent grass. The rest of the golf course, though, is is pure Bermuda grass. So it's quite a rare mix. So Bermuda grass, fairways, Bermuda grass, rough, two and a quarter inches, but bent grass putting surfaces. The only other regular tour stop-off that has that mix, Colonial Country Club. And when I look on my form sheet at Sung Im, Martin Laird, Bryson DeChambeau, Rod Pampling, who won here in 2016, there's a lot of carryover between Colonial and here. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will be talking about backing Adam Hadwin this week. Adam Hadwin is a decent player at Colonial Country Club and he's got a very, very good record here. He's a real desert rat, as I call him, is Adam Hadwin. I haven't tipped him up. Goes really well in the desert. Likes this mix. Bermuda grass all the way to the green putting surfaces. Uh, We've got four... Uh, water has four four holes with water in play, but this golf course is it's the greens are seven thousand four hundred square feet on average. They're big, it's short, difficulty rank. Apart from the year Patrick Cantley won, we were on at twenty to one that year. That was his first ever PGA Tour victory. It's always low scoring here. Last year, this was the eighth easiest golf course on the PGA Tour. Fairways at 300 yards as well. They're wide, 33 yards wide. That compares to 29 yards wide last week in Jackson and 24 yards wide at Silverado for the Fortinet a few weeks ago. So basically, they're nine yards wider than we saw at Silverado. So that just shows you it's it's pretty easy to find fairways. The greens are big. And scoring is extremely low. And I've looked at the forecast this week. There's... Barely a breath of wind for literally the whole tournament. It looks like it might just pick up on Sunday afternoon. And when I say pick up, I'm talking double-digit 10-mile-an-hour winds. I think we're going to see a very low renewal in terms of scoring. Now, just to just to confirm that, uh, 21 under, Narton Laird shot 23 under. Uh, DeChambeau shot that 21 under. Last year, Sanjay Im equaled the record tournament score low of 24 under. I see no reason why that can't be challenged again this week. So this is a genuine resort level golf. So get as many birdies as eagles as you can and keep those bogeys off the card. Bogeys, 
are very, very damaging at this golf tournament and doubles, you really are making a huge shift down the leaderboard. Any, anything to add, chaps? No, no, I think um, you covered it all there. We, as I say, we were talking about the greens and the grasses beforehand because it is, it is quite a, a relevant combination, isn't it, with the bent grass um, instead of Bermuda, which you'd kind of expect in that part of the world. But always receptive, um, always scorable. You need a player who's going to go out there and uh, make a few birdies. Simple as that. Copious amounts of Paul. Mm. Copious. Of, if you, I think to win this, you've literally got to be converting one in three holes. Yeah. Be that eagle or birdie. Yeah, it's got to be got to be mid to high twenties, isn't it? In terms of in terms of birdies on the week. Um, just for this, just for some background, official world golf ranking of winners here. Sir Sung Jae In was twenty nine. Martin Laird was of two hundred and twenty five to one shot. Real horse course form horse though. Martin Laird three hundred and fifty first he was. Take him out of the equation. Nar fortieth. Deshambo seventh. Patrick Cantley sixty ninth. When I say sixty ninth, he was very upwardly mobile. Sixty ninth, he got made it to the Tour Championship. That was his rookie season, I believe, or the season before had been his rookie season, if you see what I mean. This was the start of his second season. Yeah, he was mixing it at W Golf, at World Golf Championship levels when he was sixty ninth in the world. I think he finished fifteenth at um, the HSBC, the outing before. So good players have won this. Um, do you want to list, the listeners might find this useful, and this is the kind of thing that this podcast uh, likes to throw up there. Here's a list of players in this field that live in Las Vegas. We have Doug Gim, Harry Hall, Charlie Hoffman, Kurt Kitayama, David Lipsky, Maverick McNeely, Taylor Montgomery, the new sensation from the Corn Ferry, Ryan Moore, Scott Piercy, Seamus Power, Nick Watney. Ricky Fowler and Jimmy Walker are also, and there will be others, they are Claude and Butch Harmon players, and they're based in Las Vegas, are the Harmons. It's just getting a view of people that play regularly in Las Vegas on their on the on the on the, the circuit of Las Vegas golf courses that there are. Yeah. Don't forget, we played twice in Las Vegas last year. We played the Shriners here, and then the week after, they played the Summit Club, where I got another second-place finish with Colin Morikara in that one. But, um, yeah. So those are, those are players with local ties. There are others. Um, Garrick, Garrick Hicko, the South African, he went to university in Las Vegas for a period of time. So there's quite a few with links to this area. So if you're someone that likes that kind of thing, that's a list for you. Uh, Shriners open winning prices, 33 to 1 in. Laird was 225s. Nart, 70 to 1. DeChambeau, 14 to 1. Patrick Cantley, 20 to 1. If I take Laird out of that, the last, out of the last five renewals, four, it, comes, it works through at around about 50 to 1, winning price here. 33, 70 to 1, 14 to 1, 20 to 1. I have to say the field is slightly down on what we usually see here. And I think this is now the impact of the new PGA Tour schedule where the top uh, the top guys are saying that they're all going to play a set amount of what they're classifying as upper-level tournaments. They are starting next week with the CJ Cup. 
Uh, not next week, the CJ Cup. Uh, next week is um, they're going to Japan for the Zozo, I believe. Mm. So I'm expecting to see an excellent field for the Zozo down out in Japan. I think that's had a material impact on this because, you know, in an ideal world, you don't want to be playing in Las Vegas and then flying out to Tokyo. And then no. coming all and then coming all the way back to South Carolina because they're playing Congaree the week after. That's a punishing old schedule, isn't it? Las Vegas, Tokyo, South Carolina. Yeah, but these boys don't travel cattle class, do they? They, they should be able to get uh, some decent sleep in between their trips. They're not flying Ryanair, are they? Right, we've got a real desert golf course assignment this week, chaps. I've gone for four. I'll start at the top. Um, I was very, I was quite surprised to catch to catch this price on the, my top pick this week, especially when I was seeing him a short to ten to one with Skybet. I got sixteen to one on Sung JM to defend his title this week. I was quite pleased with that. I mean, ten to one to sixteen to one—that's that, a big chunk of difference, isn't it, in a price? Yeah, there was a lot of there disparity. Seem, there on seems this to price. be this. It's one of these weeks where there's quite a lot of, of, of kind of viscosity in the prices. Quite a lot of bookmakers have got quite large variances in their price mm. sets. Yeah, yeah, bit of disagreement. Far less copying going on this week between the bookies, which is odd. <laughs> which is odd. <laughs> Now I've put in my piece for Sung Jim. He's, I mean, the guy, the guy is built for this golf course. He clearly won here at twenty four under. Um, he can play on any putting surface, bent grass, Bermuda grass, doesn't matter to him. He's a winner on both. But I noticed here, going back to uh, Victor Hovland at the start of last season, we've had six players arrive and defend their titles. That's pretty crazy. Mm. Um, Hovland defended his title at the Mayakoba at twelve to one. Sam Burns defended the Valspar at twenty-five to one. KH Lee was quite a way out there. The Byron Nelson he won that one twenty-five. So these are players that are literally defending their titles, and that to me is always something that I don't really like. But there seems to be this trend. Then we've got uh, Rory McIlroy defended the RBC Canadian Open at eleven to one. And then recently we've had um, Patrick Cantley defend the BMW at 16s and Max Homer two weeks ago defend the Fortinet at 16-1. So I'm on him. I mean, it doesn't need much explanation on Sung JM. He played outstanding golf at the President's Cup. Uh, I'm just taking 16-1 with Paddy Power, two and a half points each way. I think him will... He's the kind of sort as well. He, he defended his Honda Classic title a few years ago and finished eighth. That was the first time he'd ever defended a Pro Tour on the PJ Tour. So I think he'll be there mentally. I, I think you know he's playing such good golf. His form in here is a joke, really. Second, second, 12th, 15th, second. Those are his last five-stroke play events. Mm. Second, second, 12th, 15th, second. 16 to 1. And a lot of the bookmakers were split on whether he was going to be second favourite or whether Max Homer was going to be second favourite on first show. Well, I plump with Sung Jae-in. So I'm on him. And I'm making it a South Korean double at the top. 
I'm not going to go with Siwoo Kim, who I think is going to be backed beyond the realms of all um, probability this week, Siwoo. I think he's going to be the bet of the week, in my mind. I haven't gone with Siwoo. I've gone with Tom. I haven't gone with Bob. I've gone with Tom Kim. Because if I think of Tom Kim and the little we've seen of him, arrow straight can get the ball out there 300 yards and at altitude this week, he'll be getting it out there 300, no problem at all. Arrow straight, fantastic approach play. It absolutely shouts TPC Summon. I think Tom Kim's going to be a serious, serious golf player. And of yeah, course, he's already he's already a PGA Tour winner. He won the Wyndham the week before the playoffs. Mm. Right, he looked really good at the Presidents Cup, didn't he? He was uh, he was one of the real catalysts for um, the, the the showing that the international team put on in the end. Um, he was the uh, yeah one of the real bright sparks of that tournament. So perhaps he can take some momentum forward into this week. You said to me a couple of minutes ago about Seb Straka, Sep Straka. You said, I like the way, Steve, you ignored the four miscuts. Hmm. And that I'm trying to be... I've, all this year, I've been trying to not go into my old ways of just stroking people off by finding some kind of reason not to back them. Hmm. Tom Kim's in that, kind of th- in that kind of arena because Tom Kim has never played this golf course in terms of you know a start of the Shriners. Yep. And usually, I'd look at that and go, well, actually, I think you need to be quite experienced to win this, and I've just got rid but the thing with Tom Kim is, his, when you actually look into the rise of this guy, it's phenomenal. He's got 10 wins already across a number of developmental tours. Yeah. And those wins have come across India, Indonesia, Malaysia, Pakistan, the Philippines, Singapore, South Korea, twice, and the United States. So just you just look at that kind of breadth of experience that this guy's had, and he's 20 years of age. Yeah. It shows you that he can turn up at golf courses of all different kinds of stature and 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 kind. Bear in mind, he was third at the Scottish Open this year, I believe. I mean, this is the kind of breadth of experience this bloke's already had. And he can learn a golf course really, really quickly. So I actually look at Tom King, 22 to 1. There was a smidgen of 25s out there. I know Ladbrokes um, went 25 to 1 and then literally hauled it away straight away. Oh, yeah, it was about three minutes it was up. Uh, so, yes, Tom Kim, I think this golf course is really going to suit him. Hmm. Um, yeah. Are there any guys towards the top of the market? I'm talking, my next tip is 50 to 1. So are there any guys 50 to 1 or shorter that you two have gone for this week? I haven't. I've got a couple, but they're both outside that number. How about you, Barry? You got anyone near the top? No, silly season means I go for silly prices, so that's mm. where we're at. I don't want you to answer this question, Paul, but I reckon you might have gone for Scott Piercy. <laughs> no, I, I don't want an answer. No, okay. I'll keep my mouth shut. Keep 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 strong. <laughs> I reckon you've gone for Scott Piercy. Next one on my list, and thanks to Boyle Sports for this, 10 places each way. They've gone for their 10 places each way, 50-odds um, PGA Tour terms this week. Thank you, Boyle Sports. They offered me a market best price. 
at 10 places each way of 50 odds this week. It's not there anymore, you'd be amazed. He's now 33 to 1 with ball sports. But I got 50 to 1 on Tom Hoagie, which I think is a phenomenal bet. This is a guy that sits in the world's top 50. He's had a win, four top fives, a top 10 at the PGA Championship, and he was in the top five, 72 hole scoring at Eastlake. That's crazy. So he was the top five of of the 29 top players on the PGA Tour, and we're getting 50 to 1 at the Shriners Children's Open on Tom Hoagie. He's one of these players, isn't he, that I I think chaps. He's he's made the top 50 in the world and he doesn't get any respect. It's almost as if people just think Tom Hoagie's going to fall off a cliff soon and be 350 mm. in the world. Yeah, it's just one of those names that doesn't tend to resonate with the bookies for some reason, but he, he pops up. He's a, he's a regular fast starter. He's always a good one to look at for a first-round leader bet, but every now and again he keeps it going and uh, finds himself in the mix, so... Yes. And he's an excellent desert golfer, Paul. Mm. 10th, 4th yeah. and 6th at the Barracuda Championship when they used to play it at Montreux. He's also finished 6th and 2nd at PGA West in California where they play the American Express. We were on board Tom Hoagie when he finished 2nd at PGA West this year. I think he was 70-1. to 1. He's also had a 14th and the 7th. Uh, he's also had a 14th this year at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Now, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, that is far more of a bomber's golf course. I don't think that's Tom Hoagie. I don't think last time out at the Fortinet is Tom Hoagie either because we discussed it at the time. Silverado, to really get towards the very top of the leaderboard for winners, tends to be a, you have to have plenty of length off the tee. Mm. And again, Max Homer won again. You look at Max Homer, he's always in the top 30, top 35 for driving distance on the tour. That isn't Tom Hoagie. This is Tom Hoagie this week. Fantastic approach player. Straight enough off the tee. Can get it out there, 295, 300. I think Tom Hoagie this week's got a great, great chance. And fits that kind of world ranking as we were talking earlier. Someone that can just come and take it. 50 to 1 with Ballsports. That was an absolute beauty. That was a really gift of a price, I thought. Thank you, Ballsports, for that. I like Tom Hoagie this week. Can you tell I'm excited on Tom Hoagie? I mean, Boyle Sports might be thanking you for your bridesmaid money. Yeah, true. (laughs) The last one on my list, and I'm going to talk to the Ricky Whisperer, Barry. I have taken the plunge on one Ricky Fowler Esquire this week. Back with Butch. This this feels dangerous. This feels like you're just buying a stock as it's reaching... At you know, the 40-net where he finished sick. It's just going to tank. Definite I'm not seeds sure. that something positive I, I had Ricky in my head Fowler. for this week as well. He's been playing... And I can see Ricky right now. some good stuff. He's made an awful lot of good changes. Probably feeling a bit more mentally settled than he has in a while. So, go on, can you throw a little bit of um, statistical context to this? I can, I can. I, I was going to throw at you that you could grab him at 70-1 to 1 here and now, eight places each way with William Hill, and they've literally just cut his price as we're recording to 60-1. to 1. The thing with Ricky is, I think Ricky's quite a loyal chap. I mean, he's, had, he's Joe, Joe's been his caddy, Joe Scovron, ever since he turned pro. And he had this three years with John Tillery. And I had, I just broke it down on my preview. Three years with Tillery. 
He started with John Tillery. He was in the top 20 in the world. And actually, if you look at his ranking at that point, he was kind of... Twi- you know, Ricky was a top 10 player, wasn't he, for years and years. So he'd, he'd moved down a little level to top 20. But under Tillery, 60 appearances, no wins, two top fives, two additional top 10s, and a staggering 24 missed cuts from 60 appearances under John Tillery's tutelage. He found himself outside the... Uh, it drifted down to 180 in the world. And he's clearly said, enough's enough. And he's now gone back to Butch Harmon. And he's changed he caddies. Met- he's moved Joe Scovron off the bag and he's brought in Ricky Romano. And Ricky's had some... Ricky's had a lot of bags over the years, including uh, Ben Crane. Interesting with Ricky Romano, he grew up in Murrieta, California, which is exactly where Ricky was born. So I reckon there's some background there. Ricky and the two Rickies clearly grew up at the same time in their hometown in California. And he probably knows, if your mum was caddying for Ben Crane, he probably knows him from a long way back because they did like the the golf boys. So they were, you know, he would have hung out with Crane. So there must be good familiarity there so straight into a comfortable pair of shoes it's i mean he really let things go to the point of it was almost the point of no return and had gone too far like he just hung on to his card things were going to start getting extremely difficult so he's got no invites for majors he's got nothing he's lost a lot but one thing Mm. he has got he's got some confidence coming into this 16th for total driving 5th for total accuracy 1st for greens in reg 7th for ball striking at the 40 net a fortnight ago and that was strokes gained 7th for off the tee 25th for approach 8th for tee to green and then I just look at Ricky Fowler and what he has done in the desert over his career he's finished 3rd at a world match play I can remember way back in 2009 him finishing second as an absolute nobody at Greyhawk Golf Club. I think he was up there with Jamie Lovemark. I mean, I'm going right back into the back of my memory here. Those two kind of hit at the same tournament in 2009. Uh, they, were, they were up there with people with Paul, like Troy Matteson. Do you remember Troy Matteson? Now, if you, want, yeah, if you yeah. want a guy that used to play desert golf, Troy Matteson was one. Uh, Rick, going back to Ricky, TPC Scottsdale, 2nd, 2nd, 4th, 11th, 1st. PJ West, he's got a top 10. And here, uh, he's had a 7th and a 4th. Last year, his only top 3 finish was at the Summit Club, which they played at the CJ Cup yeah. in Las Vegas. And when it all came out after the event... You were reading with Ricky. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I play a lot of golf in Las Vegas. My connections with Butch Harmon. I'd played the Summit Club a lot. I play it a lot with Colin Morikawa. There's all this resonance about the fact that Ricky spends a lot of his time in Las Vegas and has done over the years. And now we know that he's now practicing and he's working with Butch. And I just think Butch will bring Ricky back from the abyss. And it might not be this week. But I actually thought, do you know what? After all these years of backing Ricky at 40 to 1 or 33 to 1 on the false hope that he was going to physically do something, I thought 66 to 1 in this field on Ricky Fowler after showing those seeds, it was too good for me not to actually have a little play with him this week. So I'm on him at 66 to 1. I got that with Bet365 via their each way extra facility. If he wins this week, Steve, you're getting an honorary Ricky Whisperer hat. 
<laughs> Not sure he yeah. wins because we know with Ricky, he does. He was all, he's always one of these guys that needs about thirteen top tens before he finally plunges. But <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to see Ricky starting well and right up in the mix throughout the tournament. It's all, all you can ask from a bet, right? Just to be well, especially at sixty six to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice price. Um, and once we were going to Vegas, I kind of just have kept him in mind the last uh, couple of weeks since all of these changes have happened. We start to see things just work out better for him on the course, you know. So it's uh, it's a nice bet. I'm on. I'm in. We're all Ricky fans on this podcast, aren't we? Yeah. We'd love to see Ricky come back. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm on, on him as well. So that makes all three of us say, fingers crossed. Right. Scott Piercy, Paul. To be or not to be, Scott Pearson. No, I've not gone near no, Pearson. Really, actually, the one the one I've backed in that kind of bracket is the one you've already mentioned, actually, which is Adam Hadwin. Um, 45th last week, which doesn't really catch the eye, but there were two decent rounds in the middle there. Um, third for greens and regulation was a number I liked as well. And that was with him playing particularly poorly from off the uh, tee, which isn't generally the way he plays. He's generally much more accurate than that. So... Um, if he can tighten the driver up a little bit, then I think he can go well this week. 60 to 1, I backed him at eight places of 50 odds. Again, that was with bet 365. And, but as you alluded to, great record here. Three top tens, fourth and sixth um, in the last three years on this course. So, uh, yeah, good combination there, I thought, for a good mid-priced punt. Uh, Fowler, as I've just said, I'm on as well. The other one I've backed at longer price is Hayden Buckley. 125 to 1. He, I remember last year, he kind of burst onto the scene at this point in the year, fourth at the Sanderson Farms, eighth here at the Shriners, and he looked a real prospect at the time. And then it didn't really push on from there, did he? Um, not much in the you know early part of last year or this year so far. Then he's improved a bit of late, eight of the last 10 cuts he's made, top 20 last week. Fifth for driving accuracy, and that ties in nicely with um, parts of your preamble in your in your copy this week on the website, where you talked about you know players who can play well from off the tee being favoured here this week. So fifth for driving accuracy, fifth for putting average last week as well, seventh for strokes gained off the tee. They were a good combination of stats that I liked from his top twenty last week. So um, putting those together, one hundred and twenty-five to one, I thought was a decent punt for a player. As I say, finished eighth here last year on debut. So, all good for me. But yeah, they're, they're the three that I've backed. What about you, Barry? Actually, I have another one shorter than that, surprisingly. I thought, <laughs> I'd say you guys expected to be into 200s. I'm grabbing somebody who's a local uh, who lives in Vegas, um, plays well in the desert, probably has an awful lot of that Ryder Cup motivation I was uh, talking about earlier that a lot of the let's say those fringe players have shown and he made a rake of birdies last week um and he's irish so there's that too it's seamus power <laughs> yeah yeah did look did look Top drifted out to world. a backable price first, i think he's in he's in the world rankings at the moment pal mm. yeah i'm on his page here at the moment so it's just putting all those pieces together yeah i, I can't resist it like he's he's 60 to 1 Eight places, I think I picked him up at. Yeah, 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 yeah. 60 to 1 is pretty right. A cut motivation, still not yeah. guaranteed a top 50 spot in the world. Good week mm-hmm. this week, and it's um, 
it's all in the bag for Augusta and it gets that momentum going for a for a potential Ryder Cup challenge. Yeah, power. I had a very good look at power. Yeah, I mean, he can hit it long enough when he needs to, but um, he is very good at accurately plotting his way around courses. I think uh, mm. this could this could work out well from this week. So happy to be uh, have another 260 to oneers at the moment, Ricky and Seamus. Should we move on? Should we go to the Open Dispania? Yeah, let's do it. The Open Dispania, as you say, off to Madrid for the start of what's going to be a four-week Iberian swing. So we've got Valderrama next week, um, Mallorca the week after, and then we're off to Portugal to Villamora for the fourth week in this neck of the woods. So uh, some sunshine, some birdies to expect um, over the next few weeks. Maybe not so much next week of Valderrama, but uh, certainly this week anyway. Uh, first off, though, yeah, it is this week. Club de Campo via de Madrid. Um, John Ram is the 5-2 to two favourite. Tommy Fleetwood, 8-1. Eight, eight Adrie Arnaus, 20-1. to one. Eddie Pepperell, 28. And then you've got the likes of Minwoo Lee. Uh, Yannick Paul at 33s, Richie Ramsey, Miko Cajonan, uh, defending champion Rafa Cabrera-Bao, Thriston Lawrence, all 40 to 1, 50 to 1 bar those players. So um, aside from the very top of the market, it soon starts to thin out. Um, John Rahm, 5 to 2, that's a very, very short price, probably the shortest price we've seen of any of the favourites so far this year, as I can recall anyway. Um in terms of the course, yeah, back to the Club de Campo. Third time um, for this particular track in recent times. If you're looking at the stats on the website this week, 2019 and 2021. So the last time we revisited and the previous time as well. Of course, there was no event in 2020 due to COVID. So the last two years are relevant. Prior to that, you've got a real mix of courses. Um, you've got some where Valderrama is included as well. So there's you know, some red herrings potentially if you're looking purely on previous history of this particular event. But in terms of course form, just look at the last two years effectively. Um, it's a 7,112 yard par 71. So it's not long. It's a tree-lined Parkland-style resort course, small bent grass greens, scorable, um, nowhere near as tight as Valderrama will be next week, but certainly there are trees involved on this particular course. Now, with the weather set fair, there's barely a breath of wind that I can see in the forecast. Temperatures will be nudging up towards 80 Fahrenheit or thereabouts. We should be set again for a lot of birdies, a lot of eagles, and should be a very low scoring event as we've seen over the last couple of years just to put into context some of the winners from previous times and of course as i said these are from different courses so do exercise some caution with this 2010 alvaro kiros won at 18 to 1 thomas aiken won the following year at 45s francesca molinari won in 16 to 1 in 2012 rafael jacqueline in 2013 at 55s Miguel Angel Jimenez, 22 to 1 in 2014. James Morrison, the longest price of recent history in this particular event, 225 to 1 in 2015. 2016 was Beef Johnston. That was at Valderrama, 100 to 1 he was that week, Beef. Then we've got the John Rahm show in 2018, 2019. He won at 4 to 1, then at 130 here on this particular course in 2019 22 under he shot that week to win that title one by five 
And 2021, last year, Rafak Rayobayo, 55 to 1. He shot 19 under to win here this time last year. So 19 under, 22 under. And you've got a good mix of prices there. A lot of mid prices, kind of from the 20 to 50 to 1 bracket. A couple of real outsiders. And then, of course, two John Rahm wins. Hence the price for him this week. Now, there's also a little bit of older form as well. I've listed it in my preview. So if you're interested, they didn't play the Open do de España here on this course um, in the olden days, or in, in years gone past, shall I say. But uh, they, they played some different um, events on what was the European Tour at the time between 2004 and 2008. Richard Sterney, Raphael Jacqueline again, and Charles Swartz all won on this course before it had somewhat of a renovation following that 20 or since we saw that 2008 win by Schwarzel. Um, lengthened it a little bit, but still, what, 7,100 yards? It's not a long course for um, for the current professionals. And generally, if you look through the stats of the players um, who have done well here, a little bit of power to attack the par fives really is quite useful. If you can make a lot of, you know, make your score on the par fives, then um, you're setting yourself up for a decent week, I think. Scrambling also seems to be important. These are quite small greens, as of, as is often the case in these um, tree-lined Spanish tests. John Rahm was third here for scrambling when he won back in 2019. Rafa Cabrera-Bayo last year was second for scrambling as well. So if you do miss the greens, you're going to need to find a way to get yourself up and down. Um, of course, preference would be to hit the greens in the first place, which will make things a hell of a lot easier. But ultimately, though, I think you've got to have a hot enough putter to make enough birdies and eagles to win round here. Um, there's some patchy strokes gain stats, which you could grab onto. 2019 was quite patchy in terms of the recorded numbers. Better for 2021. Uh, but both years, the winners had decent all-round rankings from a strokes gain perspective. Rahm was first for strokes gain T to green. Rafa was third for strokes gain T to green. That's the only statistical consistency that I could really draw out of it. Other than the fact that across the board, the players were all that you know the, the leading players were generally good or competent in all aspects. So a good all-round performance, and then just. Get your make your make your score from a strokes gain tee to green perspective. Scramble well, attack the par fives. Looks to be a decent combination. Um, in terms of current form, again, you you could draw some conclusions from this, but the way this hops about from course to course, I wouldn't put too much emphasis on it. If you go back to 2010, each of the winners had at least a top 20 finish in one of their previous seven starts. So a hint of form is good enough, really, for this. You don't have to come in with absolute blistering form to win a Spanish Open by the looks of it. Um, event form, as I say, less important because we've only got a couple of uh, couple of years worth of data. Interesting, though. Rafa Cabrera-Bayo had finished second in 2019 behind John Rahm before winning last year. Adrian Aus, who was second last year and arguably should have won, he was fourth in 2019 too. So those players who played well in 2019 and um, right at the top of the leaderboard did carry that form forward into last year um, in some cases. So a decent look at the course in the past may not be a bad place to start either, judging by the limited data that we've got on this ultimately though as i say it's a resort course excellent conditions expected the weather's going to be good you're just going to need to make a lot of birdies a lot of eagles 
keep yourself out of trouble, scramble well, don't make the bogeys, away you go. Now, looking at the top of the market, I mean, Ram 5-2, to two, when I mentioned the price to you yesterday, Steve, you know, your knee-jerk reaction is he, he probably wins, and I don't know. You know, if if you want to put all your eggs in one basket this week, potentially five to two, it just feels a bit too short to me, even for a player who's got the obvious credentials here. He, he does like beating up awful fields, though, doesn't he? He does. He's got a history of doing it. But yes, I mean, if you if you're five to do John Ram punt, or I I'll jump on it, but that's not really our style, is it? Well, I don't think so. And, you know, when he does win these kind of events, it often is on a complete birdie fest, isn't it? You know, you see him go yeah. out and shoot 22, 25 that's under. Yeah. If you actually, that's interesting. If you look at the two, I mean, I'm going to say this now and this will make me look stupid next week, but you look at the two elite players on it, on what I classify as resort scoring golf courses on our predictor model over in America. Mm. John yeah. Rahm won, Patrick Cantley too. So Cantley, you might get Cantley winning in um, the States this week and John Rahm winning this. Yeah, but neither this are, is their this is their bread and butter, yeah, taking the, taking apart easy courses. Yeah, yeah, and you know, if, if Rahm's putting well, and the one thing I note from Rahm's stats over the last few weeks is he has been putting well. The strokes gained putting numbers are back up to where you would expect him to be, and for a period of time he was a bit slack on that, particularly through the middle of the middle of the year, and that that kind of washes through in his data and his results, doesn't it? Because he he beat up that poor field at Mexico in Mexico and that was the only win of this season so far and yeah he could turn up at a Spanish Open and and win at 5-2 to two. if he does then then so be it I mean 17th here last year does show he's beatable he started really well last year um, he was odds on for a long period of that event and then eventually drifted away so he is beatable perhaps there's some distractions first time home playing on Spanish soil this year I don't know. We shall see. Tommy Fleetwood eight to one or thereabouts. Course debutant for 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 Tommy. I, you know, I'm less less inclined to go for that than I am for John Rahm at five to two. But I'm taking neither of them. My preference personally is for Adrian House. Now I took eighteen to one with eight places each way. There's a little bit of twenties out there if you want to take fewer each way places. But given that Rahm could well mop this up, I think um, there's going to be fewer each way places out, out there. So. Personally, I've opted to take the eight places option. Um, if you look at last year, it really could and really should have won, I think. You know, Rafa pinched the title with a, a generous drop in regulation play and then he won the playoff. Um, Adrian House can class himself as very unlucky not to have got what would have been his maiden title at the time. But he's played this twice, this course. Fourth, first time he played in 2019. Second, of course, when he finished runner-up uh, last year. First for strokes game putting last year. And there's evidence of the flat stick warming up again at the moment. Last week, I mean, we've only got two rounds recorded at the St Andrews from a strokes game perspective, but he was third for strokes game putting from the two rounds that were recorded. 22nd overall last week. That was a personal best for him at the Dunhill Links. Alien conditions for a player like Adrian House as well. It was cold, it was windy. This is going to be much more up his alley this week. A, you know, a, a windless sunny, warm Spanish Open is absolutely the kind of thing that he should be looking for. Last time he came to Spain, he won the Catalonia Championship. Um, that was the first win for him at DP World Tour level. Finally got that win. We knew it was coming. It did come eventually. It came on home soil. He's also come second at the Andalusia Masters in 2019, fourth in the Canary Islands last year as well. 
strong Spanish form from lower levels as well. I think he's got a great chance if, and it is a big if, if John Rahm just doesn't mop up and win by 10, which um, I really hope he doesn't. So Arnaus is in. I've also backed Thriston Lawrence this week, 40 to 1, again with eight places each way. And once you get past Rahm and Fleetwood at the top of the market, the field really does quickly thin out. And at 92nd in the world rankings, and two wins in this wraparound season already for Lawrence, I think he deserves a little bit more respect and deserves some support here as well. I mean, we saw what happened last week with Ryan Fox, how quickly you can jump up the world rankings, particularly with the guys who are playing live now drifting down week by week. It's going to present a big opportunity for these guys who are sitting there in the kind of the 70s, 80s, 90s in the world rankings. You know, a decent two or three events before the end of the year and they could be getting that uh, invitation for Augusta dropping on the doormat. It's... Just to back you up on that, Paul, Fox mm. was 47th going into that last week in the world. He's jumped to 25th. I know, it's a huge jump. And, you know, at 25th, he could have an awful run now for six months and he'll probably stay in or thereabouts in the, in the, um, in the top 50, particularly with some of these guys, as I say, drifting down their list. So it's, it's got to be a big carrot for a player who's sitting in the, in the 90s like Thriston Lawrence. So we shall see. I mean, of course, debutant this week, um, but I don't really hold that against him. He won the, um, he won the Amiga Masters at Crown Sorcier at the end of August. That was his debut. Um, Open with a 62-64 that week. This is much more straightforward, in my view, than Kranz Saucier. I know you can score at Kranz, but having a little bit of um, experience in that course is never a bad thing. He's got a great record on Parkland, you know, vaguely tree-lined tree style tracks over the years, bent grass-based greens, all good. Second in Kenya earlier in the year, third at Galgorham Castle, a couple of examples of that. Miscut last week, I really doesn't bother me. No consequence really of a player missing the missing the cut in wet and windy or windy conditions at um, at St Andrews. Prior to that, seventh to halfway at the French Open the week before. I think he can take to this course on debut this week. I think that's going to be a um, a particularly strong week for for Thriston Lawrence once again, and what's been an outstanding season for him so far. Slightly longer prices. I've backed Christian Crow Johannesson at 66 to 1. That was with Paddy Power, seven places each way. That was the Challenge Tour form that really caught my eye with this guy. He won in Italy back in July, four top tens around that as well. Sits currently in the top 10 of the Road to, Mo- Road to Mallorca rankings on the Challenge Tour, but I think he's well capable of stepping up to uh, DP World Tour level. In fact, when he did step up a few weeks ago, he finished third at the Maiden in Himmeland. Um, and I think this is really where he rightly belongs, up at this, um, up at this upper level. Five lower level wins over the years. He's won in Spain. He played the Olympics, you may remember, alongside uh, Victor Hovland, representing Norway back in uh, back in the Olympics last year. Led here on this particular course back in 2019 after the first day. He shot 63 on his first look at this particular course. Took to it like a duck to water. Much, much better player now. I think he could continue that. If he gets a decent start this week, I think he can be a feature over the weekend. Also backed JB Hansen, 75 to 1, eight places each way. That was with Bet365. Hansen, absolute birdie machine. We've seen him make copious amounts of birdies before. He loves these scoreable tests. 
the two wins that he has got on tour, 19 under at the Joburg Open in 2020, 23 under at the Dubai Championship last year. Both of those in November. So he likes his autumn golf um, and both wins in consecutive years. So if he wins again this autumn, that would complete the, the trio of autumn, autumn wins. And I expect if he does win, it's going to come on one of these lower scoring tests like this week. Now, of course, this year, the reason you're getting this kind of price on him is he's had generally a poor year. Fifth at the Stain City Championship was his best finish, but there's certainly been some better signs lately. 14th at the Cran Saucier, closed that week with a 64. 13th at the Golf National, he was positive that week in every strokes gain measure. And some decent course form as well. Fourth and debut here back in 2019, 24th here last year. If he can hit some greens, we don't want him scrambling too much, but if he can hit some greens this week, then I think he's got a real chance. And another one potentially to look out for in the uh, first round leader market if he gets a decent draw, which we'll find out later today on Tuesday. Um, Hanson's in then. The final one I've backed, longer price, 200 to 1. Andrew Wilson, the Englishman, who really made some noise at the back end of last year when he won his card uh, through the Challenge Tour Grand Final in dramatic fashion. You may recall he, he drained three kind of 25, 30 footers on his final three holes to, to scrape a card in the Challenge Tour Grand Final. Real gutsy performance at the back end of last year. I really expected him to push on as well, Andrew Wilson, but it's not really happened so far this year. His best result of the year came on Spanish soil. Um, seventh at the ISP S Hander Championship back in April. But there has been some improvement of late. 16th at the Italian Open. Top 10 in France going into Sunday. Drifted a little bit on the Sunday, but still a decent performance. And if you look through his Spanish record, he's got a lot of lower level Spanish performances that uh, catch the eye. Seven top 20 finishes in his last 10 starts on Spanish soil in all levels. So... Um, likes playing in Spain. I don't think he'd be overly disadvantaged this week either because most of these players have only got one or max two looks at this course over the last three years. So he's not going to be overly disadvantaged by lack of experience. And he's got a lot to fight for. He needs to get himself into that, well, circa 120th thereabouts on the money list to, to retain his card and get back into his playing privileges next year um, the easy way. So I think it's going to be a good motivation for someone like Wilson to play well this week. But then my five, Andrew Wilson, JB Hansen, Christian Crow Johansson, Thriston Lawrence. And at the top of the shop, brain goes completely dead. Remind me someone. Adrian Adrian Else. Else. (laughs) I always get to the end and my brain just freezes. Adrian Else, of course, at the top of the top of the shop. Barry, who are you on? Uh, no bets have been placed yet. A uh, few that are in mind. I was looking at Xander Lombard a few weeks ago. There was a lot of good form. Mm. Then he's gone through a little bit of a blip. But yeah, maybe there's something still there. I just I don't want to go near the top of the market. Um, no. Like I, just, I don't even know if five to two is too short for Ram. Like, do, if you run this two point five, does like does he win it? If you run this. Five times does he win it twice? Well, he's won two of the last three that he's played, so yeah, yeah it's a tough one, just, isn't it? Yeah, I just I won't be touching that. That's it's not even a fun bet for me, so I just wouldn't even go near that. Um, again, I was kind of a few uh, Alejandro Canizares, Madrid native, very good 
kind of um, form in the span at the Open de España over the years. Mm. Um, got a question I've, like if he's got the, the win in him, but you know, yeah, there's been the odd spark with uh, Canisaros over the uh, over the last uh, last few weeks and months. Attached to Valderrama, of course. So these tree line tests are uh, right up his alley. Um, although it does prefer it to be a little bit easier. So, uh, so yeah, I, I could see a logic with Canisaros this week. I mean, I'll, I'll probably back him this week. He'll miss the cut. I'll throw him on the... I'll throw a hissy fit. He'll go out and win, win next week or something <laughs> like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, and then like another that I backed uh, not too long ago didn't, didn't quite, obviously didn't get the win, but Dan Houtsing. Mm. I hope that's how I pronounce the name. Yeah, housing. Yep, yep. Yeah. So you know he's twenty third in the European Masters, eighth in Himmerland. Um, yeah, a couple of iffy results in Italy and France, and um, yeah, made the cut last week. Finished fifty second. Uh, maybe he'll relish getting out of the Scottish weather. I think plenty we'll will. Yeah, yeah. That was um, <laughs> that was a particularly heavy day on uh, Friday. Very good. What about you, Steve? Any anyone catch your eye? I'll drown now, so I'll have him. Mm. I do. Con- I do worry if it's like he's up in the mix with John Rahm on Sunday. Uh, yeah, he's a pro. Yeah, winner in. Win- we keep saying it. I don't think our Naus is out of the running to get a Ryder Cup spot if he can move on with the talent we know he has. So he's yep. definitely in that medium sort of shortlist, if you see what I mean. Yep. yep. The one I look at, and I've, I've been using this theory now for a number of weeks, and I, I like your angle on official world golf ranking. So that kind of works with Lawrence. It's this kind of year. People need to do stuff. And one player that's had a disappointing year, he was actually in the world's top 50 at the turn of the year, and he now finds himself down... In 73rd spot is Min Woo Lee. Mm. So I'm just going to take him 30 to 1, eight places each way with Bet365 via that each way extra facility. Min Woo Lee has showed very little. Did fire in a very tasty looking uh, 63, I think it was, or 62 at Wentworth the other day. So there's some sparks. Yeah. He was second at Valderrama last year. Minru yeah, Lee. He's got some odd form on these trips. You know, yeah. you, you talk to me about Minru Lee, and I'm thinking coastal, I'm thinking linksy, I'm thinking windy. Mm. And then he's popped up with these odd performances every here and you know, now and then on these tree lined um tracks, which I guess when the conditions are right and when he put you know, when he's playing some good golf, he can perform on those kind of courses. So yeah. Perhaps I'll have to change my opinion on him. He's a strange one because I really thought that uh, Scottish Open win would kick him on. Yeah. And he's just kind of, it's almost like he's got the hangover from winning his first major. You know, that just season or, you know, period of time afterwards where you're just trying to figure out mm. where everything fits again. Yeah. 14th at the Masters this year, Min Woo Lee. Yep. Four, yeah. I mean that's the that's the caliber of player. That's that's the that's the kind of player that's out there. He finds himself 89th in the race to Dubai. And he's gone through this stage, hasn't he, where he tried to establish himself on the PGA tour. That didn't work. 
went to the corn ferry. That didn't work, even though he, he, I think he started the first of those corn ferry playoffs as the favourite to win that particular tournament, bearing in yeah. mind the quality of player, didn't make it. So I think, you know, now he, he's got to be smelling the coffee, hasn't he? 89th in the, in the DP World Tour rankings, needs to get some results and quickly. To, to establish himself into that top 60 to get to the DP World Tour Championship to start some forward momentum. So, yeah, he's the kind of player that you look in that field, that price, and where he's at in his career at the moment, and you think he needs a result. So, yeah, I'm going to go for Min Woo Lee at 30-1. to 1. Those mm-hmm. are my two. Yeah, the only other um, one that I've backed in in terms of uh, it's an each-way double is Sung Jae Im and Adrian Ous. Um, taking both of our headline uh, selections this week, so I think both of them are good good chance of at least placing. So mm. um, the best combination I could see as of this morning was fourteen to one and eighteen to one for our house um, from an each way perspective. But should they both place, that would be a nice little return. And should they both win, then uh, that's next year's holiday paid for. All good. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you for your time, gentlemen. What what have you got next week, Paul? It's uh, Valderrama next week, so Matt Lovely. Fitz is headlining next week. Yeah, look forward to that. Two classical claustrophobic tree line golf courses next week because we've got Narashino in Japan, which is a lovely track. Really, really interesting. To be fair, they're, they're pretty similar, aren't they? Valderrama and Narashino, very short, yep. proper classical golf test. So that's good. Yeah, that should be good stuff. If you're still listening, five star reviews, please. We are we are dry on five star reviews, so keep them. Uh, let's have some. That'd be fantastic. Thank you for your time, gentlemen. I hope your bets go well. Yeah, best of luck, guys. You too, boys. Best of luck, boys, and best of luck to listeners. We'll be back next week. Cheerio. If you like betting on golf, but everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. All the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf